Hello and welcome to episode 62 of the All Things Leeds podcast, another episode from self-isolation. I'm Ed McIntyre and joining me over video call is again my co-host Charles Foster. Charles, hello. Hi mate, you alright? Yeah, you? Yeah, yeah, I'm sound, yeah. Brilliant. Uh, just kind of uh, enjoying the being inside once again for the billionth day in a row. <laughs> yeah yeah it, it's 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 taking a toll on me now like I, you know a few weeks ago I was, I was doing fine but now it's getting to the stage where uh, i, I want to go outside freely and, and and move around freely again but before i move on to anything though i do want to say again please everyone who is watching or listening right now follow all the advice and, and all the guidelines uh from the government stay at home as much as you can to uh, help save lives and the NHS. Of course, a big thank you as well to all NHS workers and key workers out there during this difficult time. Thank you so much for for continuing to work. Um, and as we keep on saying, it, it will affect a lot of people's mental health for this period. So if you are struggling, if you're feeling lonely during self-isolation, contact me or Charles Wall Things Leads. Um, our DMs are open, so just contact us on, on Twitter or Facebook or, or Instagram or whatever. whatever. Um, and yeah, hopefully we can offer some kind of value during these difficult and unprecedented times. Uh, but yeah, Charles, uh, uh, another week in uh, lockdown. Uh, how, how's it going for you? Yeah, I mean, it's going all right. I mean, I'm having to find new ways to entertain myself a lot of the time. So <laughs> uh, I started a football manager serve and uh, got Paul Vale promoted in my first season, came, came second, 89 points. I was buzzing. Yeah, you were telling me this. Why Port Vale? I wanted a team in League Two, and I've always liked Port Vale's badge. So they got a really cool, cool badge. Uh, really literally, weird, no, that. literally no other reason than that. I don't like, I don't like managing Leeds because there's too much pressure to win every game. Yeah. Whereas managing Port Vale, I, you know, don't care. <laughs> like emotionally, <laughs> it doesn't affect me whatsoever. So if uh, you do bad with Port Vale, I can't. At least I got, at least I got to manage a club with a cool badge. <laughs> yeah, cool badge, and I got promoted. So you know that's my, that's my achievement. Fair enough. That's that's very weird to be honest. <laughs> you no, just I, like Port Vale just because of a badge. <laughs> well, yeah, I mean, I, people like clubs for weirder reasons than that. But <laughs> that's just, fair enough. Yeah, that's just what I've been doing. Yeah, if I was going to do a lower league team, I'd probably pick Farsley Celtic and just take them up to the Premier League all the way from the National League North. I'd probably just do that. I'll be, that'd be like a seven or eight season thing, though. Jesus. Man, I'd, I'd, I'd get straight promotions. Be easy. This is my first ever season as a football manager, so and it took a quite. It took it took me about three days to do. Yeah, fair enough. I, I don't really play football manager to be honest. I I don't really understand the entire game. Like I I can go in it and do and do some basic stuff, but I I, I don't really understand it all. It, it's really complicated. So it, it's very complex. Like there's all these different kind of systems and that, and then you have got to sign yeah. like backroom staff when you got to assign youth players and all, I mean all over the place yeah I just don't want to do that just just get up career mode on FIFA and, and just let me have a go at that um on the topic of football manager big shout out to all the lads you know the square ball who did that 24-hour live stream uh, of the weekend in hope to raise money for the food banks uh, Leeds United Trust uh, that 24-hour stream that they streamed football manager uh good stream I I, I find entertaining but yeah what what you, you've said that you've had to uh, been doing other stuff to keep yourself entertained while in lockdown. What what, what have you been up to? Well, as I said, did that save. I um, I started reading some of my old square balls I've got lying around um, because I like seeing how, how far we've come over the season. Yeah. Um, I've still been getting my way through the we way through the witness special as well um, of theirs because it's it's, like, it's a lot it's a lot of pages and I don't like reading a lot in um, you know full book in like an afternoon or something. I like stretching out over a few days. Uh, I've been I've been walking about around uh, East Leeds where I live, so yeah, I've been enjoying that. Uh, yeah. Obviously, staying socially distant while I do that, but you know, as far going like half an hour, forty five minute walks, you know, you're kind of in big circular routes, so they all, I always end end up back at the house. But I've been enjoying that. Yeah, I've been going on a few walks as well, um, and yeah, also reading a few books. I've been out in the garden quite a lot as well. We've you know got I've got the footballs out of the hut, uh, just been practicing that, hitting them against the wall. Uh, I've had a few barbecues, also uh, you know just some fun fun little games outside the house as well. Cause it's been gorgeous weather as well uh, over the over this last week, so uh, that's been quite nice. Um, I've still been binge watching the office us version still watching that um it's got really stale now though because the main character left so it's got really stale um suddenly until i died though season two i watched that that was very good um and at times that reminded me of the office as well <laughs> that it's such a good watch it, yeah. I, I highly recommend it to any football fan if you're thinking my club's a bit of a mess at the moment go watch suddenly until i die and you'll realize that it ain't that bad 
Yeah, it is a very entertaining watch. Very, very funny at times. And yeah, at times you're just left thinking, "What on earth is this? A, is this a professional football club in League One? You're like, that, what on earth is this?" That's probably what Leeds were like about seven years ago, seven or eight yeah. years ago. Yeah, that, it's crazy. It, if they'd have done a behind-the-scenes documentary at Leeds in 2012, 2013, it would have been exactly like that. It would have been very, very funny and also frustrating as well as a Leeds fan. Yeah. Um, yeah. Um, but no, that is very good. So if you have Netflix, go and watch that because that is very entertaining. Um, yeah, you, you've got plenty of stuff on, on TV. You've still got the Belarusian Football League. That's still going strong. The president still hasn't seen the light yet. He's, he's still an absolute nutter, still believing that uh, saunas and vodka will cure COVID-19. <laughs> so you, you, you've got some football on. But whether it should still be still be being played, I, I don't think so. But <laughs> I mean, still... I, I I highly doubt we have any listeners from Belarus. But if we do, ignore your president. He's clearly an, just in, insane. Yeah, he's a nutter. Um, I've got to the point now, though, in lockdown, where I'm I'm really starting to miss a lot of things. Like like a few weeks ago, I was fine, but now like I'm I'm missing going to the barbers and just getting my hair cut. <laughs> I mean. I don't get my hair cut that often. I, I, I probably leave it a little bit too long each time, so I only get my hair cut every couple of months. But um, I'm, I'm, I'm coming to the realisation that I'm probably about a month or so away from having to shave it all off. <laughs> yeah, I, I usually get my hair cut every four weeks or so. So this is around the time, at the start of each month, I usually get my hair cut. So this is around the time where I do usually get it. It's ironic, isn't it? Because we're having to stay at home, but at the end of lockdown, we're all going to look homeless. <laughs> <laughs> Long hair does not mean you look homeless. I'm sure Luke Ayling would, would disagree with you there. Yeah. Among others. Oh, no. Well, if you, if you keep it like, like Luke Ayling does, then then yeah. But if you usually get, get it shaved, then it, it's going to look horrendous by the time lockdown finishes. So, um, have you, yeah. ever had, you ever had long hair? I have. I think everyone did at some point. It was like year eight for us. It was like the year eight time in high school. Everyone growing up at some stage had very long hair. I think well between the ages of about ten and fourteen, I had long hair. Yeah, yeah, fair enough. I I did not look good at all. I, I needed to sort my hair out. But yeah, I'm, I'm just missing loads of stuff. I'm just missing stuff. But um, yeah. Have you have you got any more tips? We we gave some tips last week on on what to do in lockdown. Have you got any more tips this week? I've been th- I've been thinking about it. Don't, <laughs> don't spend your whole day drinking because. Uh, <laughs> That, that is my number one tip. Something which I'm I'm guilty of occasionally. And if yeah, you drink that, responsibly. <laughs> yeah, controlling what you drink and eat, uh, and then doing exercise as well. That, that's that's probably the tip. Yeah, maintain your diet. I would say proper diet. Yeah. Um, well, moving on then. Um, Leeds United have brought back the uh, FIFA simulations that they've been uh, streaming on social media. Um, they streamed Blackburn versus Leeds um, last Friday night, 3rd of April. Um, over 33.2 thousand people have watched it, which is just insane. 3-2 win, wasn't it? Yeah, nice 3-2 win. And and again, if only it, if if only it was real life because with, with all the real life scores and all these FIFA scores we would have gone nine wins in a row and ten unbeaten so if only it was real yeah if only yeah I, I really miss football I miss I miss I miss Ellen Road I miss just going down to Ellen Road and just seeing the ground really I might I might just do that tomorrow I might just drive down to Ellen Road and just look at it <laughs> sit there and look at the stadium <laughs> I've just got like a, a mental image of you just sat in the Elm Road car park, just looking, just looking at the stadium and crying. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I'll, I'll, that, that's probably going to be a visual invitation of me tomorrow. <laughs> that's going to be exactly me tomorrow. Yeah, I just miss it. I just really miss it. But at least we've got these FIFA simulations to to look forward to. That that's, that's something to watch. Um, I can't believe that over thirty-three thousand people are watching these. <laughs> it's it's mental. Like I I get I get the um I get the attraction of watching someone else like on Twitch or someone play you know FIFA competitively because I used to watch that and that was entertaining. But just to see uh, you know a plain old simulation of a game that you that they're pretending is real, it's like I I don't I don't see the entertainment in that. So it's mental how many people are watching these. Yeah, well, well just the. Uh... People need something to watch. Don't they? Some sport to watch. It's a, a kind of a bit of a distraction at the moment. 
Yeah, exactly. Well, if you do want sports to watch, then the Bill of Usain Football League, that is still on, as I keep on saying. Um, also, darts as well. I'm, I'm a big fan of darts, and they've been streaming a few darts matches with some professional darts players, so that's been quite fun to watch um, over on YouTube. Um, on some news now then, and of course the big news is on when football will return. So um, they had announced, FIFA and football uh, authorities, they had announced that football was postponed until April the 30th, um, which I don't think anyone saw football being played in, in May. Simple as that. I, I, that was never going to happen. Um, well, now FIFA and football authorities, they've collectively agreed to postpone football until it is safe to continue and the transfer window and contract 10 dates, etc. Uh, they will also move and, and then accordingly. So um, no surprise here, Charles. A pretty sensible decision. Yeah, I mean, I found it fairly surprising in the first place that um, they would put a specific end date on it when something like a pandemic doesn't really have an end date. <laughs> it's like trying to predict the weather. It's not 100% when something's <laughs> going to clear up. So, yeah, it seemed fairly silly they didn't just put until further notice in the first place. But yeah, now it, at least they may have come to the, you know, what seems to be the most sen- sensible way of postponing it for now. And I use the word postponing it in the most hopeful way possible. <laughs> <laughs> when it comes to our season in particular yeah i mean this is the third time that they've that they've announced when football's gonna finish i mean at first it was what was it april the third and then they moved it to april the 30th for some reason uh, I, yeah as you said straight away they should have just been like yeah let's suspend football until it's safe to continue because there's no end yeah. date on this this could last for, for a long long time um but again though it's good that they're not just voiding competitions and seasons completely so that that's quite that's a pretty pretty positive really. Yeah, I mean it's um it's encouraging to see that although I don't think they're doing it out of the goodness of their hearts, to be honest. I think they're just doing it because they know if they were to cancel the season, particularly the championship of the Premier League, the hundreds of millions of pounds worth of legal challenges <laughs> that will be coming their way from West Brom, Leeds, Sheffield United, Leicester, Liverpool, um, and anyone who's in the uh, Wolves. All these teams would be launching legal challenges. So, and also, if they do cancel, if they don't fulfil the fixtures, I think the the broadcasters are going to take seven hundred and sixty-two million pounds off the Premier League. So, it's I, it would come to over a billion in what they would lose if yeah. they were to cancel the season. So, they don't want to lose a billion pounds. Yeah, exactly. So, it's, it's a pretty sensible decision. Um, is this so yeah football in the uk at least is, is is postponed until it is safe to continue which is which is the end of it really there um and there's also reports that um a letter has been sent to um to all championship clubs uh by the efl um which efl chairman rick parry um has revealed plans to finish the season in just 56 days uh, with fixtures to be played behind closed doors and in those eight weeks it would see all championship fixtures plus playoffs completed uh, the EFL have also told all clubs not to return to training until the 16th of May at the earliest uh, but they have promised to give sides adequate time to prepare uh, for returning to action um, what, they, what they consider to be adequate time may not be <laughs> what common sense would agree would be adequate time but we'll see about that what, 12 hours? 12 hours should be fine, should it? <laughs> yeah, can you play tomorrow, lads? <laughs> Not really, no. That will tough. <laughs> play off off it. Well, yeah, Charles, what, what are your thoughts on all that? Um, I think it's probably as good as we could hope for. 56 days is, what, two months, so we've got nine games to play, so that's four games in one month, five games in the other, optimistically, which is it's doable. It's like It's like one game a week. I think that's fair enough especially given um, how much time the players have had off and the, they might be lacking a bit of match sharpness. So giving them sufficient time between games is probably seen as the fairest way to do it. So 56 days I don't think is unreasonable. It's just shy of two months, isn't it? So it's probably it's probably about reasonable. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I, think, I think that's a good plan. You know, it's good that they've actually got plans in place to finish the season. Now it's not just, oh yeah, we're going to postpone it and then we we, we, we are thinking about finishing it. No, there, there is this plan in place, uh, you know, which is good. It's positive. And yeah, it is a reasonable plan, really, you know, to, to, give, to give teams time to get back into it. 
Um, also, you know, I don't think you know eight weeks to finish nine games is too unreasonable. You know, it's, pl- it's plenty of time to finish everything. So, now those are good plans. You know, it's good that they've got plans in place, and and it's a reasonable plan too. So, um, that's all good news, uh, really. So, um, yeah, it's all positive. It's it's looking good for this season, this 2019-20 season, to be completed at some point. Um, in other news, Denver, big news, of course, coming out of uh, Ellen Road um, is regarding the club's accounts, financial um, fin- finances and accounts. Uh, Salish United have reported um, an annual pre-tax loss of £21.4 million for the year ending June 2019. The accounts cover the 2018-19 season, uh, which, of course, is a season where we've just missed out on promotion. Uh, we finished third and lost in the playoff semi-final. Uh, the club made an operating loss of more than £36 million, but player sales brought in more than £15 million. And the turnover rose from uh, £40.7 million to £48.9 million. Uh, while the total wage bill went up from £31.3 million to £46.1 million. Um, and yeah, the season before the club lost just £4.3 million in the 2017-18 season. So, um, yeah, some big losses here. Uh, you know, that's, that's quite a big loss, pre-tax loss, £21.4 million. Um, but Charles, it's not really a surprise though, is it? We, we, we knew that the club was just on the edge and, and, and they were just scraping by. So it's not really a big surprise, is it? No, it just, it's not surprised me whatsoever. I think I think that our our accounts are probably the perfect example of how much it costs to be a successful club in the championship without any parachute money. Because West Brom has obviously got parachute money, Fulham have got parachute money, and their their accounts uh, will be will be Huddersfield obviously have a bit of parachute money, so their accounts will be um, kind of mitigated by that. But we are running a we're the best team in the division. I wouldn't say we have the best squad in the division. Fulham have probably got the best squad in the division. But yeah. we, we're paying our players a lot of money to play good football. But it's it's costing us that much. It just shows how unmanageable it is to run a football club in the yeah. championship. It's it's undoable <laughs> to to run. A, you can run you can run a, um, a mid table club, a club that finishes you know thirteenth to eighteenth in the championship, and you can run it breaking even. You could probably do it like that if yeah. you never. You never spent any proper money, but you never you kept you kept a few decent players. You could probably finish mid-table and run a you know a sustainable club. If yeah. you want any kind of success, you have to spend money. So when I see all these, all these like Sky and BT, uh, not BT, Sky and uh, BBC Sport, pick, put their articles on it immediately. I don't know if you saw that. Um, despite the fact I think there are seven clubs in worse financial state than we are in the Championship, including Birmingham City and Reading. Yeah. And I, think, I think Huddersfield are worse than us as well, but you know where the where the big names, where the one that gets <laughs> gets multiple gets articles written about them. Yeah, well, that's the thing, isn't it? But yeah, I wasn't surprised by. It. I mean, we've we've brought in the likes of Helder Costa. I mean, yeah, uh, no, but this this is finishing June twenty nineteen. Oh yeah, of course, so previous year. So yeah, we, we we did bring in a few. Obviously, uh, brought in Casilla, didn't we? So we did bring in some players that were expensive on the wage bill. And yeah. obviously, we made a few decent player sales as well. I think we sold Vieira, didn't we? We sold Roof, we sold um, Janssen. Although I think Janssen will be in next year's accounts. Um, but yeah, it doesn't surprise me that we are running at this kind of loss. Uh, and all this entire time, Roger Zani's been saying we are right on the edge of FFP. And everyone's been saying, no, nah, no, nah, we're not. We're not we don't spend that much money. Yeah. It's like, we kind of have. We spent a lot of money and we're not really selling that many players. So Yeah, we, we have spent a lot. I think um, we spent. 50 million pound in the summer of 2017 on just average players. Um, I saw on Sky Sports a few months ago, so um, yeah, we are spending a lot of money, and you know, that's a that that is quite a big pre tax loss 21.4 million pound. Is that so? Um, it is quite big, but yeah, it, it's no surprise. We knew that the club were just on the edge, and you know, as you're saying, it's very hard to make a profit, you know as an owner for a championship club, you know, but it's very hard to make a profit. You can probably make a profit owning, you know, a, a big worldwide club, you know, you know, world-class club, you know, like PSG or Manchester City. You can probably make a profit there, but for lower league, Premier League teams and championship clubs and, and, and every other club, really, it's very hard to make a profit, you know, very hard to make a profit. So, no, there's no need to panic here because a, a lot of other clubs, championship clubs and even Premier League clubs as well, they'll be in the same boat as, as us. They'll be losing a lot of money as well, Charles. Yeah, you would you would, you would, think so. I mean, every club below the Premier League is, it loses, loses money because it's, 
it's just so unsustainable. I mean, I saw even Gary Neville, who is obviously no favourite of any Leeds fan, was uh, was obviously was quoted the other day as saying that the the bottom club in the Premier League, Norwich, get paid a hundred million pounds for their broadcasting rights. Leeds United, the, the team at the top of the football, the uh, English football league, top of the pyramid for, for, uh, before you bring to Premier League, get three million pounds a year. <laughs> yeah, and we're on TV more than them. Yeah, do they? Do they is their football ninety-seven million pounds better than ours? No, <laughs> I don't. I, I I honestly don't don't think it's any better than ours. I think we probably would beat them this year, given how badly they've played. Yeah. Um. So yeah, the 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 absolute lack of fairness. The fact the there's articles being written saying that that the English English football could not could look, not only lose clubs, it could lose leagues. Shows you that there is a massive massive problem. Uh, more money needs to be shared out along the leagues. Oh yeah, one hundred percent. There is, there is a massive, massive problem. And, and possibly there needs to be uh, wage um, wage caps on players. There needs to be transfer caps in the league. And it might. I mean, no one wants to hear this because everyone likes the kind of you know. Well, if you sign this player for hundred million, then my player is worth one hundred twenty million. Well, if your player is worth one hundred twenty million, my player is worth one hundred forty. And then you get this kind of stacking kind of stock market thing where. Everyone's trying to beat everyone else, and then someone signs a player for two hundred million pounds, and the market is absolutely broken. Unfortunately, when you in every market, when it, when it, any financial market, anyone tells you in in the case of a big boom, there is always a big crash. So, <laughs> the football market probably will crash at some point. Yeah, uh, because if you think about it, ten years ago, we're Leeds we're Leeds signing, uh, not not Leeds, not even Leeds, but you know, like decent clubs, ten or fifteen years ago. Players weren't going for um, the most expensive players were between sixty and eighty million, weren't they? And they were considered very, very, very expensive. Yeah. Like Suarez going to Barcelona from Liverpool, you thought that's an insane amount of money. Yeah. Uh, and that was and that was eighty million. That was what six years ago, seven years ago. Yeah. <laughs> and, and, and now sixty and eighty million is just cheap. <laughs> yeah, and you think now, Luis Suarez, eighty million, that's very good. If <laughs> you think anyone yeah. would that <laughs> these days, so you think the market has to come down at some point. Yeah, 100%. I think, um, no, you alluded to Gary Neville's comments there. He was saying that there just needs to be a big reset, really, in terms of, in terms of you know, finances, you know, in football and, you know, how much money there is in football because it, it is quite ridiculous, as you've just pointed out there. I 100% agree with everything that you've said there. You know, it, money is, is absolutely ludicrous and especially TV deals as well, you know. If we were getting as much as Norwich were, we wouldn't be in, in we wouldn't have had such a big loss here. Um, but because we're not getting that much in TV in TV revenue, then we we, are, we of course do have this you know quite big pre-tax loss of twenty one point four million pounds. They've put they've put this system in place. This oh, if you're in the Premier League, you earn this much. If you're not, you don't to protect smaller clubs. So uh, because if it was the case where the biggest audience got the most money, then uh, the likes of Wednesday and Forest and Leeds and Villa yeah. would would have far more money than teams that are currently in the Premiership, like your Brightons, your Palaces, your Watfords. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I, I agree with I agree with all that. I just don't agree with how much, <laughs> with how no. much clubs are getting. I mean, I, I, I do agree that the Premier League clubs should get the most money because they are, they, they attract yeah. the biggest audiences, they sell the most merchandise, they're the most watched, they deserve the most money. They get too Not, much. But they get far, far too much. If, they, yeah. if, it, if it was staggered a bit, even like... Because how unfair it is at the moment, the amount of money at the top and then the amount of money <laughs> compared to League Two, it's light years away. Yeah. So if they could just make it slightly more fair, then the entire football league would would be entire would be completely self sustainable. No, yeah. no clubs would probably ever go bust if they continued to spend. The problem is that the more money you give clubs, the more money they spend. No yeah. one ever thinks. No one ever thinks. Oh, we've got a good enough team. Should we just put some money aside just in case we have a bit of financial trouble? Everyone, everyone thinks, Nah, solve that. Let's just sign <laughs> the most expensive player possible. Yeah, and, and become really, really good. I mean, because it's competition and that's sport, and you're always going to try and be better. But yeah, there's there is some serious issues in in football at the moment that have kind of been highlighted by the pandemic because they've kind of been masked over by it. Everyone always goes, "Well, it's a ridiculous, unfair system." Well, uh, and then all these, you know, plastic Premier League fans go, "Oh no, it's completely fair. We get the most views." It's like, well, yeah. Then you get the likes of Bury going bust and clubs coming very close to the line. You get um, clubs like I think Lincoln have furloughed the staff and, uh, and are a bit worried about their money. So, and they've only recently come up up through the uh, up through the leagues. So there is a serious issue there. 
Yeah, 100%. I 100% agree with you there. Um, we went off on a bit of a tangent there, though. Yeah, um, sorry. <laughs> so, yeah, just just to, you know, conclude this, you know, there's there's no surprise with the fact that, you know, we, we, we've had a pre-tax loss of £21.4 million. There's no surprise, but there's no need to panic. A lot of people I've seen on, on social media panicking about this. There's no need to panic. A lot of other championship clubs and Premier League clubs, they, they'll be in the same boat as us. They'll be losing a lot of money. It's very hard to make a profit as a football club. Um, so, yeah, no need to panic at all. I mean, th- there's a reason for owners sell clubs eventually because they're tired of losing money. So Yeah, because because football clubs are money pits. They are yeah. it, it, even even successful football clubs. Are money, even Manchester City is a money pit. The the um they they the kind of um oil barons that own Man, Man City are still throwing you know hundreds of millions into it. <laughs> yeah. So it's the, the football clubs are treated by rich people as vanity projects, whereas they're obviously far more than that for the fans. Um, but yeah, Leeds to, to come back to Leeds, we're running on kind of a three year cycle, like everyone in the Championship does, where Obviously, you get a new manager in, you spend a bit of money, you spend a bit more money. And then the third season, if you don't go up, right, we've spent too much, we're about to breach FFP, sell all the players, and then you have to restart. So every club in the championship kind of goes on that cycle. Yeah. So we, we spent money in the 2017-2018 uh, season, spent much more money in the 2018-2019 season. So now we have to go up in the 2019-2020 season. Otherwise, we will have to sell, we'll have to get rid of Bielsa, we'll have to sell Phillips, we'll have to... Yeah, we'll, we'll, be, in, we'll be in a bit of trouble. We'll lose Casilla. We'll probably have to sell, get rid of Bamford because he's on wages too high. We'll have to sell all these players and then buy much cheaper players. Otherwise, we will breach FFP. So yeah, that's we'll, just we'll, yeah, we'll be we'll we'll be uh, in uh, quite a bit of trouble. Um, reports also revealed that Leeds may have to pay bonuses of almost twenty million pounds to players and management staff if we were to be promoted to the Premier League, which isn't really a surprise. There's there's a I think with every team who's pushing for promotion, there's always some bonuses there, so that's no surprise, really. You know, if you if you're you know if you're at your work, your work and you get promoted, you want you want a bonus, don't you? So um, there's no surprise there, really. Um, and finally, uh, Leeds United have they launched a fun Easter challenge. Uh, remember the um, Charlie? Remember the thing that we used to do in primary school where you'd make some big sets uh, around Easter time. You make these like big sets of like boxes and stuff. You, you'd make it into something and you put eggs in eggs there as people. So it's like a big yep. Lego set, but it's made out of boxes and eggs um, that we used to do in primary school. It's basically that, that Leeds United have launched and it's called the fun Easter challenge. Um, and so, yeah, it's basically that what I just said, but it's centered around Leeds United. So it's Leeds United themed stuff. Um, and yeah, people have until uh, Easter Sunday, the 12th of April, this Sunday, to enter, uh, which they can do online using the hashtag uh, LUFC Easter Challenge. Um, and there's also loads of prizes as well, including a signed memorabilia. Uh, so, <laughs> I mean, it sounds good. I, I might I might have a go at this. I might have to enter. <laughs> I mean, it's, it's a way to pass the time, isn't it, really? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I think it's probably aimed at people slightly longer, younger than you. Yeah, maybe. kids, yeah. <laughs> one year old. But, you know, if, you, if, if, you've got, if you've got nothing to do, you may as well do it. Yeah, it'll be quite fun. I, I miss doing that, really. I remember doing that in primary school. And, yeah, it was quite a lot of fun, to be honest. I, I remember loads of people just bringing them, in, bringing them into school on the day and all the eggs would drop on the floor and break. I remember that. But I, I quite miss doing that. That was a lot of fun. You, you just miss laughing at kids dropping eggs on the floor, I think. <laughs> oh, dear. Um, but, yeah, I mean, it could be worth giving it a go, but I think it, it's mainly for the younger younger people. So, um, yeah, a lot of fun there. Fun Easter fun easter challenge that legion united have launched because so get yourself involved in that if you can um yeah that could be quite a lot of fun uh well let's now move on to what i thought would be you know quite an interesting topic to discuss on the podcast and that is um our top five legion united goals of all time so uh, me and charles we we put together um a list with uh, of course one being the best goal with with we think and then obviously down to five and etc so i'd like to clarify that i was told to mainly stick to goals I was there for so before everyone starts coming at me about you know goals in the 70s and goals in the 90s yeah when he says all oh, time, why didn't I, you include your bow or whatever yeah yeah because I wasn't alive in 1995 when he scored the you know the, the screamer against Liverpool so we've exclusively or I have anyway I've exclusively chosen goals uh, during my lifetime yeah, and most, m- mostly ones that I have seen so just to put that disclaimer out there we don't want abuse in the comments all the way <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> about us choosing, you know, goals that aren't quite as good as other goals because obviously we're only choosing goals from when we've been watching Leeds yeah. and we're only twenty one. 
Yeah, and we'll of, of course give our reasons for the for why these goals and where we've ranked them. So, uh, Charles, we'll start with you. Number five. We'll we'll go from number five down to number one. So, what what goal is number five for you? Um, number five. I'm gonna go with. Um, this is a. This was actually a really good goal. I think it was from 2016. It was Lewis Cook's 25 uh, yard belter against Fulham. Um, oh it, yes. He kind of picks up the picks up the ball and. The amount of power he gets into it from he doesn't even really take a much of a run up and just belts it in the far corner. It's when we got the got the, the kind of black I think it's in the black and you know like lime green kit we had. I, I didn't really like that kit, but that goal was an absolute screamer. Uh, I, I was in the east stand for that one because mostly I only ever sat in the east stand or the west stand until I was about sixteen, seventeen because my mum used to get you know, antsy about me sitting in the south stand <laughs> until I was a bit older. Uh, so I yeah I was sat in there. I think I was sat with my dad and. Um, that, uh, obviously, that was kind of before all this madness that the second half of the decade took off. Um, I think that was in the um, Evans, Steve Evans season. Yeah, it was. Uh, yeah, so that obviously not that not that long ago compared to other goals uh, I've seen scored. But you know, I, I just thought it was an absolute belter at the time. And uh, as Lewis Cook was kind of homegrown, and he wasn't he wasn't that much older than me. Uh, I think he was only, I think he's only two or three years older than us. I uh, I love that goal, so that's why I chose that one. That was, that was my number five. Mm. Yeah, that, that is a very good goal. I I loved that goal. You know, watching it, I I, I wasn't out of the game. I was watching it on TV, and just that goal coming up, it it was fantastic. It, it was you know the highlight, a uh, very big highlight in what was a very poor season, really. Um, number five for me is Luciano Pecchio's goal versus Chelsea in the quarterfinals of the Capital right. One Cup. In uh, yeah, in uh, in 2012, December 2012. Now, obviously, went on to lose that game five one, unfortunately. <laughs> yeah, um, but it happened. I remember that. But we were one 0 up at half time, and it was fantastic. There was a big buzz around, and yeah, I remember that because I, I was in the East End. I was I was with uh, you know my dad and 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 his friend and and his son and whatever, and um, it was a packed out Ellen Road. Really, I think the South End that was shut because they had a big Capital One logo there. Just to get the advertising money there. So um but other than that it was it was a packed out Ellen Road. Um you know everyone was up for it. Chelsea they put out their first team. They had all the good players playing, you know, they had the likes of Eden Hazard, um, you know, David Louise, Lampard, um, you know, they, they had they had their best players. You know, I think Torres played in that as well. You know, they they played their first full you know full first team, the Chelsea. And we had average players. <laughs> you know, Michael Tong, Michael Brown <laughs> no, the, I, I, I really average in, in, in living memory. <laughs> yeah, I mean it's 2012, so it's the Neil Warnock team. <laughs> We're under Neil Warnock. It was Neil Warnock's team. Was it Paul Green on the wing as well? Yeah, it was a very, very poor team, and no one expected us to win. I think Chelsea they were dominating, but Jamie Ashdown in goal had a had a fantastic first half um and then towards the end of the first half we go on the counter attack i think it's david louise he's lo- he loses the ball out to byron um and then all of a sudden i think it's michael tongu plays it out to the left towards jerome thomas and then a fantastic ball into the center for, to luciano becchio who's outside of his right foot a fantastic cross to luciano becchio and he just slides down taps it home first time uh getting the wrong side of peter check and it was a fantastic goal in the rain as well under the lights Packed out on the road, and the noise was incredible. It was absolutely incredible, and I loved that goal. When uh, it, it was all, so awesome celebrating that, we had just gone one 0 up at home against Chelsea's first team when we had an average team. So it was fantastic, you know, brilliant goal. Of course, the second half we need to forget that because <laughs> we end up losing five. We end up losing five one. So that was uh, horrendous. But just that first half and that goal, it, it was something special. That that was fantastic. So that is number five for me. It could have been a few, bit higher up, but. It was a fantastic goal and, and one that sticks out for me, certainly. Um, number four then, Charles, what have you got? Um, well, I had to choose between two here because I also want to put a Becchio goal in because he is my favourite Leeds player in my time to support the club. So I I couldn't really... I think I ended up choosing the Borough goal in 2012, but I really wanted to stick the Millwall goal in from the playoff semi-final in 2009 because that was just an insanely good goal and the atmosphere was brilliant. Uh, I wasn't there for either game, um, <laughs> sadly. I know we were supposed to choose the ones that I was there for, but I wanted to choose. I saw a lot of Becchio goals, but I, 
his best goals, like the Chelsea one, the Borough one, and the Noah one, I wasn't actually there for, annoyingly, because I only got to about five games a season. Because, yeah. um, well, just because. <laughs> just, getting <to> get tickets, <laughs> just getting tickets and that, and yeah. getting my da- get dad to take me down. Uh, but yeah, I went with the Borough goal just because it's such a. It, it, obviously, we, I think it's. Uh, we, we win the ball back um, in midfield. I don't know if it's Snoddy that wins the ball back. And it gets put out wide, he gets whipped in, and obviously he. Um, he bangs it across on his left foot into the far far side netting, and it's it's always the one that everyone goes on about. And obviously after the game, is uh, he gets getting into interviewed and obviously swears on camera. Um, <laughs> uh, I won't repeat what he said because obviously we don't like to swear on the pod either. Um, <laughs> he, um, he, he he was swearing at the reporters how, how good how good of a goal it was, and I just I love Becchio, and it, it broke my heart when when uh, Neil Warnock told him. Oh yeah, hundred um, percent. So. And yeah. it broke my heart when I, I went on Sky Sports News and we had a clip of Becchio when his car arriving at Norwich. And they asked him, what do you make if you move to Norwich? And it was like, very good, very good. I hated I hated watching that. It was awful. But it, yeah, it broke my heart when he left as well. It, I mean, it, I've got many reasons I hate Norwich. I mean, the fact that they, they, they always seem to be ahead of us in the leagues. The fact that they yeah. signed all of our best players. Yeah. But the, Be- Becchio hurt the most. And the fact that they sent him on loan to Rotherham and killed his career, I'm never going to forgive Norwich for that. And sent us Steve Morrison as well. Yeah. Jesus. Yeah, I hate, I hate Norwich. I hate Norwich. Yeah. <laughs> um, but no, yeah, that, that, that was... That's my number four. I went for the Borough goal. Although, very, very honourable mention, the Millwall goal, because that the atmosphere looked amazing there. Oh, so. yeah. Yeah. I, unfortunately, that, that Millwall goal didn't make my list, only because you know we did end up losing that game and not going to, to the to the playoff. Uh, finals, uh, but that was a very good goal though. Uh, that one against Millwall and against uh, Middlesbrough as well. Uh, number four for me though, it is uh, one from last season, right at the very end of last season. It's Stuart Dallas versus Derby County in the playoff semi final. Now, oh. <laughs> obviously that, we, you know, obviously we don't want to mention what happened, you know, in that game because obviously we're not went on to lose. But which one? Which one? He scored two in the game. Oh, the, the first one. Yeah. When went two 0 up and aggregate. To be honest, the second one was probably a better goal. Oh yeah, he runs up the pitch, cuts in, and curls it far corner. Yeah, definitely, definitely a better goal. But just the emotion when we went two 0 up and aggregate. Obviously, went went on to ball it, but <laughs> the emotion you felt when that ball went into the back of the net, oh, it, it was incredible. Because um, no, his, his, his second one brought it back to a draw. Yeah, on on, on aggregate. Yeah, no, but the first one though. So it's the first time we've been in the in the champion in the championship playoffs. Um, you know, you know, as I've been going up, because we're you know against Watford and stuff in championship playoff semi-finals. Um, but you know, my my time my time watching Leeds. That's the first time I've been to you know a playoff semi-final at yeah. Ellen Road. It was beautiful weather. Of course, I packed out Ellen Road as usual. Uh, the atmosphere was fantastic. And of course, we were one up already, and we were like, right, if we get a goal, then we're through. And that goal, I think it's around 25 minutes or so that goal comes. Um, and just the, the noise of Ellen Road, the emotion, you know, it's, it's boiling hot. You're already <laughs> emotional. And then that goal goes in. It's just, I've never felt anything like it when that goal went in. Obviously, you know, for, <laughs> it was an emotional rollercoaster that game because, of course, we ended up losing. But when that goal went in, it, it was just a special feeling. So that goal, although we did lose the game, it had to go into me. It was I, just a special goal. I honestly believe if Jack Marriott hadn't scored just before half time, we'd have won that game. Oh yeah, one hundred percent. Kiko says fault there. If, if we, well, it was a mixture of it was miscommunication between him, him and Cooper, but mm. on, on multiple occasions during that game. But I honestly think if we'd have got in one nil at half time, we'd have seen that out. Oh yeah, definitely. It was when Derby hit the post in that game. That's when they, it, that's when they kind of got back into it because they're like, "Oh, we come close there, so let's, let's try, let's actually try playing football." Um, but no, when we went turn up, it, it was just an, an amazing feeling. Um, so yeah, that's got number four for me. What what almost got number four was Housen's goal versus Carlisle, but I wasn't there for that one. I was a little kid just watching on TV, so um, that that one hasn't gone in for me. But uh, yeah, the Dallas one against Derby. Yeah, definitely gone in for me. Um, number three then, Charles, what have you gone? I've gone for Kemar Roof's first goal for Leeds United against Aston Villa at Ellen Road. Um, <laughs> incredible cross from Salman Dakara, nodded in at the, uh, the near post. Brilliant goal. I was in the cheese wedge. I was in there with my mate's dad because he was originally, my mate was going to go with his dad. 
uh, and then my mate couldn't go because of some I, I can't remember why it was in 20 yeah I think it was December 2016 and uh, he said oh do you, do you fancy going and I went yeah of course it's, it's Aston Villa big game they've just come down from Premier League uh, of course I want to go um, but yeah I think we, we ended up winning that game uh, 2-0 um, I think Chris Wood got it, got it eventually although <laughs> it was a weird one because Hadi Sacco ran the length of the pitch for the second goal <laughs> yeah Chris Not Wood stole it and Chris would store on the line, but you know that was that that was just that was like the 90th minute or something. But that whip, whip cross from the car, uh, nodded in by roof, uh, just absolute limbs in the cheese wedge, and I would I, I just loved it. So, and it that was the point in the monk season where I thought we might be on we might we actually might have, be having a good season this year because because we normally we'd start well and then obviously just drift off and be awful and then for the rest of the season and then just finish mid table, but. Because we, because the monk season kind of got started, we started winning more games after October, and that was in December, and we all thought this could be it, and that was a really big win against a really big team at the time. Yeah, I, I, just, I it was just a brilliant goal for me, and obviously Roof went on to score quite a few goals for us, and that was his first goal for the club. But yeah, just a fond memory. Yeah, that 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 was a very good goal. I was in the north stand for that goal. And yeah, it was incredible. I, that, I loved that night. When I was writing down the goals that I wanted to put in this list, that one didn't come to mind. So you've jogged my memory of that one. That was a fantastic one. But number three for me, uh, again, comes from last season. And it's Pablo Hernandez's goal against West Brom at Ellen Road in that 4 0 win. 16 seconds on the clock. And Pablo Hernandez puts Lee Shine on That made my honourable mentions list. Yeah, no, that that had to go in my top five list for me, and, it, and it's got number three here. Um, you know, just that week, you know, because that week in midweek, I think it was Tuesday night, we had lost 1-0 away at QPR, and there was, of course, that picture of Marcelo Bielsa in the, in, the, um, in the tunnel, just looking really sad. And at that point, you just felt, we've we bottled it here, we've bottled promotion here. Um, that was a weird game. I mean, <laughs> I remember like Izzy Brown coming on uh, and then just trying to get trying his best to get sent off. <laughs> yeah, I, I, that was such a strange game. Yeah, and, and Luke Freeman kind of just tore us apart for ninety minutes, and then we yeah. thought, right, well if they've just done us, QPR it were terrible. Then West Brom are going to come at the weekend and destroy yeah. us. It, it, and, it, it, it was an awful week because yeah, on the Tuesday night we we had lost one nil away at QPR, and then just three days later on the Friday night we were playing West Brom at home who, um, you know, I think they were above us. And, I don't know, were they below us? I, th- I think they were below us, actually. Um, but you were just thinking, you know, they're going to beat us here because we've just lost to QPR. Um, you, you just felt as, you know, at that point, you know, we, we, we've bottled this now. Uh, but then we go, you know, go against West Brom. They have kickoff. So you're thinking, right, they're going to get a good start here, maybe. But then they, they launch it long. Cooper wins a header. Jack Harrison down, down the left-hand side. Cuts it into Pablo Hernandez in the centre, and just you know, no, just no backlift. It it, it, it just it just toe pings it into the into the top left hand corner. It was just an unreal goal. And 16 seconds in, I've never I've never seen a goal live that quickly before. And you know, packed out on the road, good atmosphere, and for that goal to go in 16 seconds, it it was just special. So so that had to go in for me. That was just it. It was an awesome goal, fantastic strike. And also the emotion as well from it. It, it, it. it was just fantastic. And there was a really big relief when that went in. So, that, that, yeah, that, that had to go in for me. That, that was a special goal. It's probably it's probably me, one of my favourite goals I've seen in the last few years. But it did, still did not make the top five. It did not. It did not. All right, so number two then. Number two for me, I think, is the a fairly obvious one, this one. It's the Ducara Thunderstrike. Yes, oh, yes. January, January 2017. I was in the south stand for this one. Um, so the way we we saw it is because the it was scored obviously scored at the cop end. It was weird because the ball because of the perspective for me it just seemed just kind of stop in the air as it was kind of obviously you know as he hit it so straight and he hit it so straight in the top left corner and it just kind of stopped and then you thought this is never going in is it <laughs> and it obviously just <laughs> because that's top right but you know top top left bin perfect you, you couldn't you couldn't have picked it out any better and yeah. it was. Um, I mean, Forest were having an awful season. I think they ended up surviving on like goal difference or by like one point in the championship. But so they weren't brilliant that season. Um, but uh, it was just such a good goal. And you know, I didn't really like Dakara as a player. And I know he's he's featured twice on this list for once for an assist and once for a goal. <laughs> um, but 
that was such a good goal. Obviously, if you ask any Leeds fan, best goal, one of the best goals in the past three or four years, every, nearly every single one of them will mention. Oh, yeah, 100%. That, that almost made my list as well, but of course, to cover part of a 6 not 6 um, 6 yeah, 6 so it didn't go in for me. And also, I was in the South Tans as well, so I didn't really get too good a view. I was low down in the South Tans, so I didn't really get a good view of that goal um, live. So, um, yeah, that, that hasn't gone in for me, but uh, another, you know, Definitely a fantastic strike. Probably the best goal I have seen live, to to, to be honest enough. Just it was a phenomenal strike. Just a phenomenal strike. I think it's it's probably the second best um, because the best is my fit is the number one on my list. I'm really hoping your number two or number one don't clash with my number two or number one. <laughs> well, uh, my number one and number two, they're both scored by this exact same player. Um, so my number two is Jermaine Beckford against Manchester United. Of course, 3rd of January 2010. 19th minute and yeah one one nil win the, the, the goal that won the game and it, it wasn't even that I mean you could say it was a good goal but was it really I mean it, it was just a long ball forward from Johnny House and you know we, we had won it I think Man United had a free kick they played it long into our own half then we won the ball back house and played it long forward Jermaine Beckford I mean he even admits himself it was an it was a horrible first touch great effort to beat the offside trap though Oh, yeah, yeah, he stayed on side, which was great, because I thought he was offside at first. Um, but, yeah, Jermaine Beckford, he even admits himself it was an awful first touch. Um, but, uh, luckily, he managed to get a second touch on the ball, and that second touch was a fantastic touch, because the ball ended up going in the back of the net. Um, so, it was a good finish in the end, really. And, yeah, so so I wasn't at the game, but I remember I was at a party, because I was in year six and, and there was there was someone having a party. Um, I think it was that escape we were playing laser tag or something. Um, so, so I was there. So I was busy. I couldn't even watch the game on TV. Uh, but we had someone who kept on running off to the pub to check the score. And we were just like, yeah, go, go and check the score. Go and check the score for us. And he kept on going back saying, oh, it's still 1-0. And I'm like, you're lying here. It's definitely not 1-0 to lead still. <laughs> um, but of course, we ended up winning 1-0. And yeah, it was just fantastic. And I even remember when the draw was made. I was in my car. And the draws being made live on the radio, and me and my dad were were, were really hoping that you know we were going to get drawn against Man United because I think it was Leeds, Man United, and then there was two others in the last four, obviously. And I think we were we were the last tie to be drawn out, and we were really hoping that that we would get Man United, and we ended up you know we did, and of course we ended up winning. And Jermaine Bedford's goal forever in the memory. Of course, the January third, remember the date. Everyone's going to remember that date, you know, from now until you know, until um, you know, when did I really? So, um, yeah, a fantastic goal that had to be in my list, hundred percent. Emotionally and a part of the fabric of the club, very important goal. I would not say best individual goal, as in no, your skill or you know, it, you know, ability. But uh, yeah, obviously, part very important part of the history of the club for the last ten years, and you know, a worthy admission to the top five, I would say. Yeah, right. Uh, you want to drop my number one? Yeah, go on. I mean, you're, you, I reckon you already know what my number one is. It's, it's, <laughs> it is definitely my favourite goal I've seen live. It's the uh, Mateus Click goal away at Sheffield Wednesday uh, last season. I think it's September 2018, um, I reckon. Yeah. I'm not entirely certain. But uh, me and you were there. Uh, we got away tickets. Um, obviously, we went 1-0 down to another absolute screamer from Adam Reach from about 40 yards. <laughs> yeah. He just he just he just volleyed it from a throw in and it went in, you know in off the post. Questionable then, goalkeeping from Peacock Fowler. I, I honestly mate I don't think anyone would have saved that. It was just a freak goal. <laughs> yeah. Adam Reach scores a lot of them though. But anyway, about the quick goal, just a brilliant goal. And you know just absolute scenes. I've, I've I think I had it from my wallpaper on Twitter for ages and just <laughs> the away end that uh, in Hillsborough which was all good mental. <laughs> And I also remember someone, I don't know how, because we got searched so thoroughly going in, uh, didn't we? We got like proper like airport search. And someone still managed to sneak a flare in, set a flare up on the score. <laughs> yeah. Um, you know, as you say, you know, me and you were both there. And yeah, that it was a fantastic goal, fantastic strike. And, you know, when that went in, you know, the away end just erupted. It, it, it was absolutely brilliant. So, um, yeah, that goal almost went in for me as well. But um, no, number one for me has to be Jermaine Beckford versus Bristol Rovers 2010 the 8th of May Saturday 8th of May 2010 2-1 win over Bristol Rovers on the last day of the season in League 1 to take us up into the championship and so so I wasn't at the game but I was listening to it on the radio and it was the first time ever that I could hear Ellen Road the fans at Ellen Road 
from my back garden. I could hear everything. It was it was unbelievable. It was you know fantastic weather. I think we were having a barbecue. Um, but you know, of course, we we went down to ten men. Max Gradle got himself sent off stupidly. Um, and I don't know why he did that. Yeah, and it, weird sending off. And didn't it take about two secu- two security guards to take him off the pitch as well? He just refused well, he, to go off. Well, I think he wanted. To, he, was, he was about inches from fighting the referee. I mean, Jermaine Beckford um, grabs him and drags him off. Uh, essentially, drags him off the pitch because he's, he's about to literally punch the referee in the face. Yes. <laughs> what, if you watch the clip back, he has to be dragged away by uh, definitely Beckford. I don't know if anyone else helped him off. But, no, uh, a, sec- a security guard came on in a suit and took him yeah. down the tunnel. Because <laughs> he was absolutely livid. But he deserved to be sent off because it, it was stupid. He just went and just stood on the guy's foot, didn't he? I don't know why he did it though. Yeah, it was it was so weird. It was, it, it was just kind of the kind of stuff that just Mad Max did. <laughs> just used to do weird stuff. Yeah, it was a great player though. But when we went down ten men, we you, you were just thinking, oh, that's it now, isn't it? You know, we're down ten men. We're we're gonna lose here. And then we went one 0 down in the second half, um, and you were just thinking, down ten men, one 0 down. We're definitely going to lose here. You just thought we were definitely going to lose. But thankfully, Housen then scored. I think that was around 55 minutes or so. Um, and that got us back into it. And then, unbelievably, because you, you you think about the Beckford goal against Bristol Rovers and you think, all right, it's come late on. Um, but it came on 63 minutes. So it went 2-1 yeah, up. Kind of midway, midway through the second half. Yeah, so 63 minutes. Beckford scores. We're 2-1 up with 10 men. And somehow that goal takes us up because I, I, yeah every every time you think about it and you don't look at you know you don't remember when it was scored you always think all right it's late on because it, it won us the game but no 63 minutes and it was a good finish really you know you may you may you may argue with that but it was it was a keeper mistake though first of all though because he because yeah, the goalkeeper I... threw it out and it hit bradley johnson on the head and then just yeah. came back down perfectly for Beckford to 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 smash into the back of the net. Um, and yeah, that, it was just fantastic goal. And yeah, even even though I wasn't there, I was still enjoying it. I could hear him on the road from my back garden, and it, it was just fantastic. I think my granddad was there as well, and he's a big Leeds United fan. So um, no, it was just fantastic. And that goal again, very important in uh, Leeds United's history, taking us from League One to the Championship. So that had to go in the top five for me, even though I wasn't there to witness it. It had to go in the top five for me because just the emotion, the you know the, the significance of that goal in Leeds United's history, you know, it, it's very important. So that goal had to go in for me. Um, so yeah, I don't think those are too bad top five lists. I think a lot of people will uh, be having be you know disagreeing with us. They'll, they'll they'll have different top five lists. So just, you know, just let us know what what would go in your top five uh, football lists. But you know, I don't think those are too bad. Some honourable mentions. So of course you, you mentioned Takara versus Forest. Um, I almost put Chris Wood's goal versus Brighton in in, in yeah. my list. Yeah. And yeah, also I, and also Chris Wood's equaliser away at Newcastle as well. I was at, I was at parties for both of them goals. Different <laughs> different parties. I remember. Um, watching it and live in my mate's living room the Newcastle equaliser and we played so badly to to manage to to get a draw out of that game was oh was, yeah it was, was um, it was Rob Green wasn't it it was Rob Green who just had a fantastic game just saved everything yeah he had an absolutely inspired game in, in goal did Rob Green how yeah. we, how we did not lose that game 4-0 I will never know yeah uh, the, I mean the, I, I remember that because uh, I was um I was watching on TV in my living room and we had, we had um some people over from America some family members over from America and they had no idea what was going on I, I was in the living room by myself just watching it and when that goal went in I got up I you know I, I, I was celebrating loudly because it was a fantastic goal and significant as well and they were just looking at me like what on earth is this what's he celebrating but no it, that was that was a good goal so that, that had to get an honourable mention um Bradley Johnson's goal against Arsenal. Again, another fantastic goal that really? has to get a mention. Um, any other any other goals that you want to just mention really quickly? Um, Rudy Austin volley against Watford where he lobbed uh, Gomez into the far corner. <laughs> Brilliant goal. Do you remember yeah, that? Rudy, Rudy Austin scored a lot of good goals uh, during his time at Leeds. A.D. White's goal against Everton as well in the Carling Cup. Yeah, brilliant goal. That. See, yeah. Yeah, feel, feel free to send yours in. Uh, don't send us any abuse if you disagree with any of ours because you know frankly i won't read it so yeah, i mean it's all down to opinion really yeah but yeah. i don't think those are those are too bad for, for top five uh, goals lists just, um, just want to everyone again that those are goals from our lifetimes i'm yes. sure there are better goals that Leeds have scored 
Yeah, like your Boas go and all the rest of it. But but for my lifetime, from you know what what connects with us, those are the top five goals for us there. Um, well, let's move on then. Uh, let's move on to some questions. So uh, each week we ask uh, viewers and and listeners to send us questions. Uh, for me and Charles to answer, uh, we'll do our best to answer the questions. And uh, we got a good one here from Luke Emery on YouTube, um, who asked, "Do you guys think that we will see?" the likes of Elon Messier and Ian Pervader next season if we get into the Premier League. So basically, if Leeds go up this season, he's basically asking who's staying and who's going, really, if we go up to the Premier League. So, um, Charles, for you, what, what what players can you see cutting it in the Premier League in this current Leeds United team? Um, I know we haven't obviously seen much of Meslier. I would like him to become our number one over the next year. I would like... I, I, I would like him. I know everyone talks about keepers like, oh yeah, you should always have a keeper in that as one of the oldest members of the squad. You always want more experienced keepers. But you know, if they're good enough, I, I will. I would like to see Mesley get an extended running goal. Yeah. Um, especially given the kind of um, controversy with Kiko this season, that obviously would help the Leeds board in making a decision with regards to that. Um, obviously, not going to go into any detail of that now. Um, I would like us to sign Ben White on a permanent. I would think he would he would cut it in the Premier League. Yeah, one hundred percent, one hundred percent. Ben Ben White will certainly cut it. I think in the summer, um, I'll, I'll, whenever whenever the summer transfer window comes, Ben White is going to have a lot of interest in him because, of course, he, he's on your loan. He's going to go back to Brighton, and I think a lot of top clubs will will have an eye on him. So hopefully, we can sign him. I agree with you, Elon Messier. I really want him to become our number one because he's shown good signs now, and you know he's twenty years old. He's shown good signs. And I really like to think of him, you know, I, I, I like to think that he's going to be, you know, the next Courtois, the next De Gea, the next Manuel Neuer. You know, a keeper like that, you know, a young keeper who's highly rated. You know, he's come from absolutely nowhere, but he, he, he's putting in fantastic performances. I, I like to think that he's going to be the next really big world-class goalkeeper. You know, you've got the likes of Donnarumma in Italy. I think Messier could be, you know, you know France's next good goalkeeper, really. So, um, yeah, Messier, definitely. I don't know if I would rate him that highly, but I would be satisfied. No, I don't rate him highly too yet. I like to think that that he will get to that stage at some point in his career. I would be happy if he if he just rose the level of kind of like a mid level, you know, Premier League keeper, like a like Ben like Ben Foster or you know like you know someone someone like that, someone who's just kind of um, Fabianski that that kind of level. I would I would love it if he could he got the, that kind of level playing for Leeds. And also, given his age, I would like. I would just like a keeper that plays for Leeds for a number of years. I would like yeah. a long-term keeper because every keeper we've had over the last few years has either been awful or we've only had them for a season. <laughs> yeah. Um, you'd, of course, hope that Marcel Bielsa would stay if we go up to the Premier League. You, you'd hope that he'd just put pen to paper on the new contract. I mean, why wouldn't you? If you've taken a team up to the Premier League and you get to play a Premier League or you know, manage a team who's playing Premier League football week in, week out on you against likes Pep Guardiola, Jose Mourinho, Jurgen Klopp, you'd think that that he would stay. So, you know, if we do go up, hopefully, you know, you, you'd hope that Bielsa would stay. I think that we could surprise quite a lot of teams playing Bielsa ball in the Premier League. I, I reckon we could surprise a few. Um, Pablo Hernandez, that's an interesting one. Would would he cut it in the Premier League, do you think? You know, he's 34 now. He's 35 next week, I think, or week yeah. after. He's very close to being 35. Um, he would cut it as a bench player. I would use him as like an impact player. I wouldn't use him in any cup games. Um, or if if he wanted to start, I'd only start him every other week because I think he is gonna. He's just gonna slow down. Yeah, yeah. He, you know, he's not getting any younger as Pablo Hernandez. So, you know, it's definitely an interesting one. I I don't think he'd be able to do a job in the Premier League, Pablo Hernandez. But um, you know, at his age, 35 years old, you'd probably get a replacement in for him but he'd be good as a as a backup really you know just have that experience and um, Calvin Phillips obviously he'd cut it in the Premier League he'd cut it you know right at the top level in the Champions League maybe would, would Calvin Phillips um Helder Costa of course we have the obligation to buy if we do go up so he'd have to stay um Jack Harrison w- would you would you want to sign him permanently because there is an option there I would I'd, I think eight million is quite reasonable for I mean, given didn't Huddersfield pay, pay like twenty million for that winger who's done absolutely nothing for them? <laughs> uh, so I'd like to think that the the, the strides that J- Jack Harrison's made from his first season to his second season, he would could do from the second season to the third season. I'd like to think he would get that much better again. Um, and I think he's turning in some more consistent performances now. He's become, he's becoming a much better player. Obviously, he's still young himself. He's what twenty three, I think Jack Harrison is. Yeah. Um, so he's still got room to improve. So 
at times get better. And yeah, I think for them for the money they're asking, it's not unreasonable. I would yeah. I would sign. Yeah, I reckon he'd do a good job in the Premier League. He, he did a fantastic job against Arsenal in that FA Cup third round game um, away there. So he did a good job there. So I, I reckon he could do a good job in the Premier League. And of course, Matash Click, you'd probably keep hold of him. He's a key player to the team. Luke Ehrling as well. He, he's he, he's got a long term contract, and so is Liam, Liam Cooper as well. So they're probably going to stay because they've got very long contracts. Um, Tyler Roberts, well, would you, would you keep him? Would you have him playing in the Premier League? I really like Tyler Roberts. So I do always... I really enjoy watching him play uh, he doesn't get enough game time i think for what his quality and his his effort warrants um but yeah I, i'm always very happy when i see him on the team sheet because i think he gives a lot of a lot of kind of is is more more a, a flair player up front than bamford is he's got more kind of innovation about about him uh, yeah obviously I'm, not, I'm not doubting bamford's attacking movement or his or his pressuring or is uh, obviously Bamford. I think Bamford's probably slightly better in the air than Roberts is. Although to be fair, that second goal versus Hull was brilliant in the air. <laughs> yeah, it was. <laughs> uh, but yeah, I would, I would love to see Tyler Roberts get an extended run in the team. He's another player that's very young. He's only 20, 21 years old, so um, he got plenty of time to improve as well. Uh, I, w- I would like to see him get more minutes. Yeah. I'd love to see Jack, um, <clears throat> Jamie Shackleton get more minutes. Um, I'd I I like to see a lot more of the youth team break through and get more minutes, but you know, yeah, there's, a certain, there's, a certain, there's a certain amount of realism with it because as much as we want to play youth players every week in the Premier League, we also need to win games. <laughs> uh, I'm not saying that youth players can't win games, but I think we're more likely with senior players. Yeah. So we've got it's, it's always that balancing act, isn't it? Um, yeah, I yeah. would love to get always more get more minutes. Yeah, it, I agree with you. I'm a big fan of Tyler Roberts as well. Um, uh, Luke Henry Day, he asked about Perveda and, and you know, uh, the likes of Perveda and Augustin, we can't really give an opinion because we haven't seen him play first-team football yet. So, um, obviously, if we do go up, you know, in Perveda, he's ours, so he's not going to go anywhere. He's not alone. He is ours, so he's going to stay at the club. And um, Augustin, as well, does an obligation to pay if we go up, so he'd be ours regardless. So, um, hopefully, we do see, you know, does does play as more if, if, you know, when the season, um, or if the season, you know, uh, resumes. Um, Patrick Bamford, though, for me, he he would not cut in the Premier League, and we'd need a replacement for him. Yeah, we yet to see how good Augustine can be against Championship opposition. Um, obviously, he's had a bit of an injury at the moment, but he's given about a few weeks off. You'd like to think he'd be nearly back from his injury and back training. Um, whether or not he's good enough to replace, uh, kind of displace Bamford from the team and Bielsa's eyes, I don't know because it seems like you've got to be prime Brazilian Ronaldo to. Displaced Patrick Bramford out of this side in Marcelo Bielsa's eyes for some reason. Uh, Unless you're Pele, you're not replacing Bamford in Marcelo exactly. Bielsa's eyes. Brian Pele. But yeah, I would. Um, obviously, we've already, we already bought a striker in January. We're, we're obligated to pay quite a lot of money for him, so we'll have to see about that. But yeah, yeah I don't know that he would be able to cut it. Um, yeah. But I also, I'd, I say, I'd say if we go up. The club should sell Bamford because he's on a very high wage. He's obviously, you know, he's very well thought of at Leeds United because you know he's record signing. So, um, you know, I'd, I'd say that if we do go up, he cannot cut in the Premier League, and you need to sell him and you need to bring in a replacement. That that's just my opinion. Can you think of another club that will pay ten million pounds for Patrick Bamford though? Exactly, that's the thing. No Championship club's going to pay that. I think maybe Crystal Palace. They'd probably pay it <laughs> Crystal Palace. Always buy those types of players. You know, they bought like Connor Wickham, didn't they? And stuff and players like that. And so. Beke, who kind of does that sound kind of role <laughs> as well. But yeah, I mean, I, don't, I just don't think Palace will buy him. And Palace will still be in the Premier League anyway, so they won't want him off of us. Yeah. Um, yeah I don't, I don't, it, it, might end up, it might end up moving abroad, or yeah. we might have to sell him for a heavily reduced fee back to the Championship side. Yeah. But I, I do think, you know, if we go up, who, you know, what, what are the main signings we need to make if we go up? Left back. I love yes. Joe Dallas, but we do not have a left back, and we haven't had one for three years, and it's starting yeah. to annoy me now. <laughs> we need a proper out-and-out left-footed left back who we can rely on for years. Yeah. We haven't had one for ages. Um, I know Bielsa doesn't really like playing players in the number ten role. I know he likes playing players, the kind of central players, deeper, and then wingers out wide, and then having obviously the striker fly about. I would like a proper number ten. Yeah, um, I think that's probably necessary. And I would like a, one more centre back because I think we're short in that position. Yeah, I think I think if we go up, definitely 
four signings need to be made. I think a left back, left footed left back, just to play there and you know just stay there for years to come. Definitely, because I like Alioski, but I, I don't. I you know he's he's pretty average. You know playing left back in a back four really. He's very good going forward. Barry Douglas just hasn't really cut it really so far at Leeds United. Is, is in his thirties now as well, Douglas? So he's getting older. Yes. So, so I, I don't think he, he has a future at Leeds United at all, does Barry Douglas. Um, and Stuart Dallas, right-footed left-back, you know, he does a very good job, but I, I don't think he should be starting at left-back if we do go up. So, yeah, definitely a left-footed left-back to play at le- play left-back. I'd bring in another defender, 100%. I think Bavardi, he's out of contract. He hasn't signed a new contract yet, so he'd, he'd probably be out of the door. So definitely, you know, get another centre-back in. If Ben White goes, get two centre-backs in. Um, a number 10, I just say, just someone to create things. And then obviously we need to see how Augustine is, but you know, if he's not too good, if Bamford needs to go, then another striker. And and those are those other positions. So centre back, left back, midfield, and striker uh, other positions. Just get a really good spine in the team. A really rock solid Premier League experienced spine in the Leeds United team for me, you know, if we go up. Um, but it was a very good question, though, from Luke Emery. I appreciate you uh, putting in your question. Hopefully me and Charles are giving you the answer that you wanted. Um, I thought I thought it was a very interesting, very good question. So many thanks to uh, Luke for that good question. Uh, remember to get your questions in. Uh, everyone who's listening or watching right now, get your questions in uh, for Charles and I to answer on the podcast. You can uh, just comment on Facebook or YouTube. Send us a message, send us a DM or or, or tweet, uh, all things leads one on Twitter and Instagram, all things leads on Facebook. Just search Paul Things Leads and, and you'll be sure to find it. So just get your questions in for Charles and I to do our best to answer on the podcast. Uh, but that does bring us to the end of episode 62 of the All Things Leads podcast. Yet another uh, weird and, and different episode, of course, still in, in lockdown, in self-isolation. Uh, but thank you very much, as always, to Charles for, for joining me. Thanks very much for having me on, mate, once again. Yeah, I appreciate technical difficulties. Yeah, no worries, no worries. It's always going to come in times like these. You know, not everyone has superb internet, do they? So, um, yeah, <laughs> difficulties will always occur, really. Um, but no, appreciate you joining me, mate. Listen, stay healthy, stay safe, um, and you know, stay stay at home as much as you can, really. And uh, yeah, stay safe, stay healthy, um, and thank you to uh, everyone who has uh, watched or listened. We really do appreciate it. Um, if you enjoyed and if you're listening on Apple Podcast, give us a five star rating. Uh, make sure to share the podcast around as well. Follow All Things Leeds on social media Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. All Things Leeds One on Twitter and Instagram, and All Things Leeds on uh, Facebook. Uh, subscribe on YouTube as well. All Things Leeds on there. Um, yeah, we really appreciate everyone tuning in. Of course, during these difficult and unprecedented times, I do want to remind everyone to follow the advice to save lives and, and save the NHS. Uh, but yeah, until next time, take care, guys. Stay healthy, stay safe, and we'll see you later. <laughs>